Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to John chapter 14 and reading for our text, verse 6. And we read just part, really. I read the whole verse, but then concentrate on one part. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it is the words when the Lord says, I am the way. And I've been thinking and meditating quite a bit on the way for the people of God and how many different ways it can be described. There's that way of tribulation that God's children walk. There's the way of the wilderness. There's the narrow way like we sung of in the first hymn. There's the way of life. There's a way of obedience. There's the way of holiness. The Lord's people are to know that there is the way, only one way, and that all other ways are wrong ways, will lead to hell, will not lead to heaven, will not lead to life at all. And so I've had it on my mind, and it may be from this this service to do uh, several addresses with this theme of the way. But this evening, on the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the way, I am the way. And to begin here, Jesus the way. So I want to look at two main headings. Firstly, the person of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, he who in our text is speaking, I am the way. And then secondly, Jesus the way, and how he is the way uh, in several aspects for the people of God, what it means for him to be the way. But firstly, the person of Jesus. Unless we should think, well, isn't that obvious in, in, in the church of God that it is Jesus? But when we think of the Lord's ancient people as a nation, they do not acknowledge him at all as the Christ, the Messiah. They do not look upon Jesus of Nazareth as the seed of the woman that should bruise the serpent's head. And so it is something that we do need reinforcing again and again. And of course this is the message, especially that John had in the Gospel according to John. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that in believing you might have life through his name. And not only concerning Jesus, but who he is 
many differences again in those who would acknowledge Jesus in what they really view him as, whether just as a mere man, a created angel, or as he is, as set forth in our text, the I am, that I am, the eternal God made manifest in the flesh. In the Word of God, right through the uh, Old Testament scriptures, was set forth the coming of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Many things that were told that could be compared with Jesus of Nazareth to show us clearly that the one that was expected in the Lord Jesus Christ is fulfilled that which was said. If we think of the prophet Micah and in chapter 5 is told where his birth should be and of course when the wise men they went to Herod and they asked they thought no doubt a king will go to the king but the Jews were consulted and they were able to say, as it is written in Micah 5.2, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And so we know that the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And because of the taxing that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to be taxed, and at that time she brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. And so also we have in the prophecies of Isaiah, especially for Isaiah chapter 7, and in verse 14, that it was to be expected that the Christ should be born of a virgin. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so... Not only are we told here and what is recorded in, in Matthew that truly she was a virgin and had not known man. And here in this verse in Isaiah, we are told it is God made manifest in the flesh. And our Lord is testifying in John 14, if ye have seen me, ye have seen my Father also. I and my Father are one, that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. And when we're thinking of the virgin birth, we think of Job's perplexity. When Job says, how can a clean thing come out of an unclean? thinking that the seed of the woman must come through a man's insemination, a man's seed. But there is the seed of the woman, not the seed of man, 
the Holy Ghost overshadowed the Virgin Mary so that holy thing which was born, it didn't come through that line that was, was cursed, was tainted, stained with sin. And so that was how it was the answer to Job and that was as well fulfilling that in Isaiah. And then we have the uh, case of our Lord uh, coming out of Egypt. A prophecy in Hosea and chapter 11 and uh, verse 1. Uh, we have, when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now some people might say, well, well that was the children of Israel, they were called out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. But the prophecy here is a clear prophecy uh, to point to the Lord Jesus as well. Because when our Lord was born and Herod sought to slay him and killed all the children in all the coasts of Judea, Bethlehem, so Joseph and Mary were warned of the angel to flee into Egypt. And then when Herod was dead, they were called to go from Egypt and they were going to go back to Bethlehem when they heard that his son, Herod's son, uh, was on the throne. Then they feared uh, to go there. So they turned aside to the coast of Galilee, told by God to go into Galilee. And so that then, uh, as they came to Nazareth and came there, then fulfilled another uh, prophecy that we find again in Isaiah. And in Isaiah uh, chapter 9 this time, and uh, verse 1 and 2, uh, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. And later on, beautifully in verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, with from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And of course in Matthew chapter 1, we have the lineage from Abraham to whom the promises were made, 14 generations set forth through to David and then from David to the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations 
and from the carrying away into Babylon, 14 generations to Christ. And with David, we have the line of Solomon through to Joseph, the husband of Mary, and the line of Nathan right through to Mary. And so in both sides, it can be said that Jesus of Nazareth is the son of David. And that is who it was promised that it should be the promised seed and the blessing of Christ, the son of David. We have, of course, the prophecies uh, of the, our Lord was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price that he was prized at in Zechariah. We have the sayings of our Lord upon the cross in Psalm 22. Uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And later on in that psalm, foretelling if they pierced my hands and my feet. And then also in Psalm 69, we have the foretelling of giving him gall and vinegar to drink. And these are just, just a few of those passages of Scripture that join the prophecies of Christ to Jesus of Nazareth, that truly it is he who has come and fulfilled the scriptures. And that is why now uh, there is no line. There is a ceasing altogether and has been for that uh, 2,000 years. There is no way that those prophecies now could, could be fulfilled. And it will be a blessed time when the Lord's ancient people are able to look upon the scriptures and their eyes opened and they see that Jesus of Nazareth truly is the Christ. And so for us, the person of Jesus. Now as we've said, we realise that Jesus of Nazareth is both God and man in one person. Our Lord said of himself that before Abraham was, I am. Now text says, I am the way. And in the burning bush, the Lord appeared to Moses, I am that I am. And in John chapter 10, the Lord speaks of himself as the good shepherd, I am the Good Shepherd. And only God can say, in eternity past and eternity to come, I am. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He that was with the Father in the beginning. He that in the creation it was said, Let us make God in our own, make man in our own image and we have the trinity of father son and holy spirit especially seen at the uh, baptizing of our lord our lord being baptized the uh, spirit like a dove lighting upon him and the father's voice this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased the Lord Jesus Christ is to be received as holy, spotless, pure, having no sin whatsoever and from eternity to
taking into union with himself a body and a soul like unto his brethren, so that he is able to redeem body and soul. And it's vital for us to believe this. We have those like the Jehovah's Witnesses and Christadelphians that are very bitter against any teaching of the Trinity, any thought that Jesus truly is God. And so when we make the statement of the person of Jesus as the way, we must be very clear on what we mean concerning Jesus. Mr. Philpont, in the 18th, 1800s, he contended for this. This truth amongst Baptists was contended and he uh, he, he contended for the eternal sonship of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. His sonship did not start when he was born of the Virgin. Uh, it was from eternity, the eternal Son of God. So our Lord here says, I am the way. And our eyes, our affections should be placed upon Jesus of Nazareth, upon him set forth in the whole, whole of the scriptures, but especially in this gospel, those things that are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is he that should come, has come, and now ever liveth in, he in heaven. I want to look then, secondly, at Jesus the way. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. How can we look upon the Lord as the way? What is, what is meant here? What is set forth in the scriptures of truth? Well, the first thing is this. Jesus the way for that sin was atoned for or the debt paid. We incurred a debt, the soul that sinneth it shall die, in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. The sentence of death to be upon us, a debt that is to be paid. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ that is the way, the only way, that that debt was paid. Not is to be paid, but was paid. And we must be certain of this, that that payment was made at Calvary. It was made through the shedding of his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. When the children of Israel that came out of Egypt, they were set free by the Passover blood. But that payment, that atoning, that making uh, up of the balance, a just balance and a just weight, is what God requires of, uh, for justice to be justice 
there must be that fitting payment else there cannot be any justice, there cannot be any glory to God, there cannot be any release of the people of God. It is a precious truth and it is the comfort of the people of God if by faith they can see very clearly that the debt that they owed is paid, is settled. You know, if we had bought many things from a supplier and then we came on hard times and we couldn't pay their bill and they were demanding it of us or to go to court or we could go to prison without it being paid, if someone said to us, we are going to pay that debt for you, and they went and they paid it, and they gave us the receipt and evidence of it, and we believed it, and we trusted what they'd done, what a relief that would be, what a burden off us, and we would immediately cease from trying to accumulate the funds to pay it ourselves. We would have that rest in the knowledge that no lawyer, no judge, no prison would open it to us because the debt had been paid and the law had nothing more to say to us. And when we read here our Lord saying, I am the way, we are to view the Lord saying, I am the way the debt was paid. I am the way that sin was atoned for. How do we know? Because of the empty tomb. The sentence against a transgressor is that they will die. But our Lord, we are told, laid down his life for his sheep. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. The great weight, as we see his picture weighted down and sweating great drops of blood in Calvary, it is all to impress upon us that there was that laid on him that we could not see, but he could feel and see. And uh, though Pilate said there's no cause of death in him, I see no cause. Yet the Lord held his peace because he knew for whom he was laying down his life. And uh, so then that debt is, is brought to Calvary. Our Lord dies, laid down his life, but then rises again. And there is the earnest, there is the token, and the scripture stating, He hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And may we clearly see then the Lord saying, I am the way the debt was paid. I am the way that that score was completely settled and all that the Lord demanded is fulfilled. I am the way that that was done. None other way, none other person, no sinner. This is the work of God, my work. This is the work of Christ, the work of our Lord. The second thing is Jesus the way 
his people were redeemed. Now you might say a very similar thing, but redeemed is set free by the payment of a price. And again we go back to Egypt and the type of the Passover when it was highlighted in nine great signs when Egypt was brought down to ruins but Israel was still not let go. Without the shedding of blood there is no remission and that is illustrated in a very, very vivid way in the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. No shedding of blood no liberty, no freedom, they're not let go. But as soon as that blood is shed, they were thrust out of Egypt immediately, set free by the payment of a price. If the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And so the redemption is through the precious blood of Christ. There was instituted another law in Israel that flowed from the Passover and that is that the firstborn of the children of Israel were to be redeemed by the Levites. They were to count the firstborn and to count the Levites and the Levites then would redeem each of those firstborn. If the number was not exact, which it wasn't, then they had to pay five shekels according to the sanctuary for each one to make up that number. Again, a just weight, a just balance, a particular redemption, not a general redemption, the very debt paid, not a undetermined amount, but the exact amount that is paid. And that is set forth in Numbers, book of Numbers. And so Jesus is the way. His people again were redeemed. Now of course in time, in their experience, there is a time when they are loose from sin and delivered from Satan's slavery. But the redemption price, the certainty of it again comes right back to Calvary, there is the redemption, the actual time of loosing them, time of setting them free is the time of the call by grace, a time when the blessings and benefits of what the Lord has done is made over to a sinner. I pass by thee when thou hast in thy blood and bid thee live. But thirdly, Jesus is the way a righteousness is provided for the people of God. Not only do we need our sins paid for and we be redeemed from bondage and set free, but we also need a righteousness because all our righteousnesses as, as filthy rags we cannot stand before God without being ashamed. We would be as naked before him. We couldn't tell of a life of godliness at all. But if we are told, well, our life, our righteousness is Christ's righteousness, 
his perfect life, his obedience. The writer says, in Christ's obedience, clothe and wash me in his blood. So shall I lift my head with joy amongst the sons of God. And in Jeremiah 23 and 33, uh, we have the two titles, the title of our Lord and the title of the Church of God. This is the name wherewith he shall be called the Lord our righteousness and the name that the church is to be called. This is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So when our Lord says that I am the way, I am the way that a righteousness is provided for my people. And then fourthly, he is the way of access unto God. There is only one way of access. Our Lord is in heaven now and he appears there in the presence of God for us. He is our advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He says, if he ask anything in my name, I will do it. He is that sweet savour, that blessing of which the Father is well pleased. He is the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So as we sung, he is the way to God. He is the way we come in prayer, the way we approach unto God pleading what he has done, pleading his name for his name's sake. But also the Lord Jesus is the way uh, to what we are to live. He has left us an example. We find in the just a previous chapter to where we are, the Lord washing the feet of his dear disciples. And he says, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And many today will almost reduce the Lord's work to just an example brushing aside what he has accomplished in his death, his intercession, his righteousness, and just an example, well, an example to sinners dead in trespasses and sins won't do any good at all. And in fact, what will happen is that those sinners will think that as they try to imitate Christ, that those works are perfect. Those works are what will atone for their sin and merit them heaven because they're walking in that way. But if we have truly been redeemed, then out of love to the Lord, we'll want to walk as he walked. We'll be like Paul, be ye followers of me as I also am of Jesus Christ. We want to do as he did. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest 
and to your sons, those that walking close to the Lord, yoked with him, learn of him, his spirit, his meekness, his love, his forbearance, all of the blessings that flow from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he is to be our example in all things. He is also to be the one that we follow. He is to be the way. Now I've often uh, thought of this, if we were directing a person to go from one place to another, we could use directions that were orderly given. We could give them a map and say, look, this is the way. We could describe the way, all of the, the hills, the different parts of the way, said so know it. Or we could say, look, here's this person. You just follow them. And that will be the way. You don't need to know of any crossroads, any road names. You don't need to know anything of the way. You just follow that person. You just keep close to them. And that is what the Lord says. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. The shepherd, he leadeth them out. And he becomes their way. He is the one that is the forerunner. He has gone before them. And we are to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus and to see him as the way. Sometimes we might have a, maybe we're in our cars and we might have a person and we don't know the, the way to their house and they just say, follow us. You look at our car, you recognise the car, you follow. And all the time you're anxious. What if someone else nips in front? What if we lose sight of that car? We've got no map, we've got no road names, we've got no house names, we don't know where we're going at all. We just rely on keeping that car in view in front of us. And we get a little idea what it is to be following the Lord who is and becomes our way, the way. And it brings us to be utterly dependent upon him. We need his light, his guidance. This is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, when ye turn to the left, I will instruct thee, teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The Lord Jesus Christ as that way. And he says here, I am the way, no other way, but the one way. If you and I are to get safely through this world, if we are to get to heaven, then it is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we to bring forth fruit? then we are, as in the next chapter, in chapter 15, to be united to the Lord Jesus Christ as the living vine. Without me, ye can do nothing. From me is thy fruit found. And in that way, we are then to walk as in union with the Lord. 
I am the way. He is the way whereby, lastly, that we are to be brought to heaven. He says in verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And he is the way the people of God are brought from this time stain to heaven. This was highlighted with the children of Israel when they came to Jordan, a type of death, the difference between the wilderness and the promised land, and the Ark of the Covenant, which typified our Lord Jesus Christ, was to be separated by 2,000 cubits in front of the assembly so they would see it and see the way that they were to go. And when the feet of the priests that bear the Ark dipped into the waters of Jordan, they stopped and the river was stopped from flowing, banked up, dammed up. And the children of Israel went right over on dry ground. But the ark was to stay in the midst of Jordan. It was the way that Jordan's icy waves divided. It was the way that the people of God came to the promised land. It was the way that they saw him close at hand as they passed through those waters and uh, through that flood. And so it is like when Stephen was being stoned, he looked up and he testified of seeing the Lord standing uh, at the right hand of God and standing to receive him. He had ascended up into heaven, he sat on the right hand of God, but here he is standing and his dear servant, while in the midst of death being stoned, he sees beyond the grave, he sees the Lord. The Lord is coming for him. And it's a great blessing then to view this and be persuaded of the Lord saying that I am the way and to know what that means and no doubt there are other aspects and may the Lord give us some further meditation upon us how there is so much bound up with what our Lord says concerning himself as being the way. May we look in no other direction, no other place but the Lord Jesus Christ for all that is needed to bring a poor sinner from being completely under the sentence of a broken law and bring him cleared, atoned for, redeemed, bring him through this life and right to God himself. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. So may we find it precious this evening to hear this that our Lord says concerning himself, I am the way. 
And before we close, may we be able to give an answer to that. Be able to say he is the way. To say something in the lines of the hymn writer that we are to sing. To point to his redeeming blood and say, Behold the way to God. To know it personally. To lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. To exalt him. Then shall I tell to sinners round what a dear Saviour I have found. That is what is so vital, isn't it? A personal knowledge of the Lord. A personal walking with him. A directed in the way. And to prove him to be precious as the way. I could from all things parted be, but never, never, Lord, from thee. Because our Lord said, If ye believe not that I am he, then ye shall perish in your sins. There is only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And there is given to our Lord Jesus Christ a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. I am the way. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen.